where are we now? What is this? Hey, boomers! Welcome once again to Sonic the Comic the Podcast, your fortnightly online guide to the Sega-sational world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic, Sonic the Comic, starring Sonic the Hedgehog. We, as always, are your humans who think we're in charge. My name is Chris McFeely. My name's Dave Bulmer, and I'm a bit groggy today because I've had my third COVID jab, so if I sound all slurred, that's why. This is issue number 66, if you can flipping believe it, but never mind that. It's December. I know, there's the general air of unbelievability. (laughs) So it's supposedly the 8th of December 1995 this is released. What's the real numbers, Chris? Yeah, that's the cover date. It was actually released on November the 25th, which is basically December, which is basically (laughs) Christmas. I mean, I can't... We're about to hit our, what, second Christmas? Third Christmas? No, it's our third Third Christmas. Third Christmas of this podcast? Yeah, at the end of our second full calendar year, you know, we'll, it'll be it'll be about two and a half years, but our third Christmas. Yeah, year. sure, sure. I'm gonna have to break out the, you know, the version of the theme tune with the jingle bells on. But, the jingle bells, but soon, like yeah. because it's the third one, I don't know. I feel like I should do a dubstep version or something now. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas '95. Yeah. I don't remember anything about it as a kid. But fortunately, you love your diary. Oh, I, yeah. The sorts of things you got. So yeah, every I, uh, single detail I have at my 90s, fingertips. Yeah. 95. I wonder what I got. I'm going to have to have a think about it. But I don't worry about that. Whenever Christmas actually comes, we're still yes. here. It's still only November now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tech- There's nothing interesting or special about November. Well, not this late into November. You Brits get bonfire night out of it at the start. <laughs> do, you, do you not have bonfire night? No, as I've said, I think I've said it on past episodes. Probably, yeah. <laughs> for us over here, it's kind of like uh, Halloween and bonfire oh, night are yeah. all sort of one big thing. And we have big fireworks on Halloween and everything. Yeah, so. you have a big Halloween, don't you? Yeah, yeah. cool. Oh, that's better. That's kind of better. Get ahead with Decap Attack. New story. Yes, and that's what the cover way. art is. It's a great big Nigel Kitching, Chuck D. Head doing a great big out at us with his big face. And I never noticed until just now all the crust under his eyes. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. Or boils or whatever they are. Just like grodiness. Gunge. All the way under his eyes. Lovely. And the bigger a Nigel Kitching drawing, <laughs> or the bigger a Nigel Kitching drawing of a person's face and eyes, the more circles Nigel <laughs> Kitching will put within at least one of those eyes. Oh, yeah. He's not only has he broken out the pair of compasses to get these eyes right, but the one on the right, his left eye, it's got ring after ring after ring all the way in it. He looks absolutely wild, doesn't he? Remember what, right back on the original Decap Attack cover on number 10 when he was throwing uh, head mm. and head had big buggy eyes that were all full of rings like this yeah. as well. Oh, and look, he's got out the um, the pastels. Uh, not here they are right now. I mean, the colouring kind of pastels to do a little bit of little bit of green edging. Look at that, where his arm re- meets his shoulder near the ringsy eye. And again, that little gap, there's a little loop underneath a bandage. And at the top left, there's all this lovely... And down his thumbs and fingers Oh, as yeah, well. incredibly yeah. textured. I think those are pastels. Uh, yeah, that, that definitely looks like uh, crayons or pastels yeah. or something, yeah. Lovely. Or chalks or something Oh, chalks, like that, yes. Yeah. Could be chalks, yeah. Oh, you don't get to see that kind of... Uh, Texture usually outside, I suppose, outside of what's name's airbrush. I have to be honest, I, I wasn't 100% sure if that was part of the art until you pointed out all the little mm. locations that it is, because I have a physical copy here that was picked up off of eBay that is a bit grimy, mm, grotty to say the <laughs> least. The covers, anyway. Uh, we've got a couple of bits in stars Knuckles, Cybernic. And then at the bottom it says, Jaws Badnik Pinup. They're not really messing about with the cover copy of this issue. It's just screaming the names of the stories at you and that's it. The picture speaks for itself. It's a big horrible face 
And it, and it really has little to do with Sonic. So it's just a comic of it. You know, if you didn't know about Sonic or Sonic the comic and you saw this one as your first one, you'd think it was a Halloween comic or something like that. And I approve of that. I think people should be fooled into reading SDZ. I do like it when Decap Attack gets the cover. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's no more special than when any other Sega strip gets the cover, like whenever Shinobi got the cover or, or Eternal Champions got the cover or whatever. But, but it it's is. so silly. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of is. Yeah, it is. It, it isn't to them and it is to us, isn't it? I think this this issue is the one where Decap, and we'll get there, but... This is the one where, to me, Decap started feeling like not a game comic and just an STC comic, you know? Yes, I think you're 100% right with that one, yeah. Before we flip her open, though, uh, if we flip her over, there's an <laughs> odd ad on the back. The way you talk about this comic. <laughs> well, you see, Dave, uh, reading a copy <laughs> reading of, a of copy STC of is a lot like, like making, making love, love to a beautiful, beautiful woman. woman. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this is a, a, a sort of advert slash compo. Might even need to put the jingle in. Ah. Compo for Rotostack hamster housing. It's a chance to win a hundred pounds worth of Rotostack gear, and and this is just a little um, a little habitrail for your pet hamster to yes. uh, to live in. I'm not sure the. Um, the thrust of the ad is mm. that Rotostack creates homes as individual as your hamster. So the idea is, I guess, that these are modular things that yes. you can tailor to your hamster's habits. Yes, it's like uh, one of those, you know, toy marble runs you might have had as a kid where you mm. click all the bits together in whatever order you want. Now, it occurs to me that we've never talked about such a thing on the podcast, which is why I think I already know the answer to this question. Ah. But I take it, Dave, you didn't have any pets. <laughs> oh, no, we did have pets, just not hamsters. Oh. No, we had a couple of cats. Well, right, well, well, we didn't. We we had a rabbit later in life, but... Ah, but but no things were purchased for them. This was before the days where you buy little climbing frames for your cats and things. Yeah. You just had them in your house. Your house was the climbing frame. I did have a friend who had hamsters. Uh -huh. I have nothing interesting to say about them. It's just the closest. <laughs> and I had a girlfriend who had a hamster ah. later in life as well. Right. And that's as close as I've come to interacting with hamsters. Right. And... Uh... <laughs> Did you hide your STC collection from her? I didn't have it at that time. That's how far in we are. But uh, the way this sort of compo works is if you send a drawing of your hamster portraying them as their own individual character, oh. you know, if you just really do a little drawing to show what your hamster's like as a person, that I guess maybe they'll tailor make a, a habitrail that they think will fit with your <laughs> hamster style. For, for yes, the central image, the central illustration of the poster is... Um, Polaroids of four different hamsters yes. as individuals, as as crazy characters. Yes. All those beloved '90s tropes. Yeah, yeah. Our favorite '90s personalities. Cartoons. These aren't these aren't actual Polaroids where they've it's dressed drawings, up hamsters. Drawings, it's, drawings. It's, it's yes. Uh, there's Rocky, who's the greaser one with a punk hairdo and he's punk the stuff. bad dude. Yeah, and he's got a he's black bad leather boy. jacket on and an earring. An earring and a we've got. Kevin, yeah. who is the nerd. The nerd. You can tell because he's wearing dungarees and a wool cap and and glasses where the the leg of one of the glasses is broken and he's had to tape it. Wasn't, wasn't this the name of the hamster in Roland Rats? Wasn't he Kevin? Oh no, he's a gerbil. <laughs> well, I defy you to tell me the difference. Oh god, I don't know. I <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Kevin is also one of... It, it's just... I don't know why. I don't know why. But it was... It's just one of those little weedy names. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Rocky, the hard man, the bad boy. 
Kevin. Yeah. Kevin, the nerd. He's got the Wally Woolly hat. The Wally Woolly hat. I don't know what Dave is. What's Dave? Dave's the cool dude. Which is how we know this is not true to life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's got a baseball cap and a little twiddle of hair. And he's got sunglasses and he's got a fizzy drink or something. And a medallion. Oh, yeah, a medallion, yeah. And a cool floral print shirt. I, d- I don't know. I'm not fully on board with this illustrator's idea of what a cool dude is. Cause, no. You know, it- I think that's what it's supposed to mm. be. Mm. But mm. I don't, yeah. It's really just the hat and the glasses. There's a little bit too much of a cool adult a sort of midlife yeah. crisis vibe coming off <laughs> yeah. this hamster yeah with the, the the open shirt and the medallion exactly on his yeah hamster chest and his greased hair yeah and then finally we have tracy who is the, the girl. girl one yeah <laughs> one of the personality types that well sad but painfully true <laughs> It's the cartoon. It's the it's a kids cartoon logic. The bad boy, the nerd, yep. the cool dude, and the girl. Gang's all here. And how can you tell she is a girl? Well, she's got a, a hairdo and an earring and eyelashes and lipstick. And all lipstick. of it. She's got all of it. <laughs> it's all there. All the and a little hamster bosom. I'm getting. Fr- it's a big green earring, so I'm getting a kind of like officey sort of vibe from Tracy. Mm. Sensible hairdo. Mm. Looks like a good laugh, though. Oh, yes, she'd be fun at a party. <laughs> There's a lot communicated by this drawing. This is a good drawing. I don't know who it did them. Yes, to be fair, I mean, we are we are being a little unfair because I feel like there is a sort of cheerful northern lass type energy that's coming <laughs> off of Tracy. Mm. Oh, and oh, look at this. If you send them in, you get a poster of this. Oh, so you do. I missed that bit. Yeah, yeah. me too. So presumably this picture. They won't have another drawing of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you can, you can say if you draw your hamster like that. And that, let me tell you. I was drawing my cats like this. You know, if I had a hamster, I would have drawn it as one of these. You'd have drawn them up. I would have already long since established what their cartoon appearance was, so I would have been over the moon to send into this. But, uh, no, no hamsters in our house. Control Zone! Uh, What is in the Control Zone this week? Um... Bugger all, really. Megadroid just tells us what's in the comic like normal, <laughs> then says, uh, as was mentioned in passing last issue, mm-hmm. there is a chaotic Christmas on the horizon. Sorry, a chaotic? The- what? It can't be nearly Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> the crew return due to popular demand. And then Megadroid notes that he's got to go now. Those humes have already found the turkey and nut roast crisps. Mm-hmm. Two packets, <laughs> which I did for the STC Christmas bash. <laughs> There's something about that in brackets. Two packets! (laughs) There's a genuine outrage there. It's like, yeah, maybe somebody did find Dabra Tate's hidden crisps. In the office. I only hope my batteries can withstand the next two weeks. Is it? Does that imply it's two weeks till Christmas in, in Sagerland here? No, no, because this is only the end of November. Oh, so it just means th- two weeks until the next issue. Sorry, I thought it meant yeah, two it weeks until the next Christmas. issue. But, but next issue is still going to be a, a, a Crimbo yeah. issue. Uh, yeah. Right, what's this then? The Coronation Street Crimbo Compo. What? What on earth are they talking about here, by the way? Stand by for the opportunity to creep around those ancient adult parent humes in the Christmas issue. The UK's top Sega-powered comic has got together with the UK's most popular street, and uh, if you don't know, this is referring to Coronation Street, an ongoing soap opera here in the UK, to celebrate Coronation Street's, wait for it, 35th birthday. So, a cracking Corrie compo is on its way, and- Could you please take that last on again? 
So, cracking Cory Compo is on its way, and by heck, it's gonna be a good un. What? What? It, it seems appallingly mismatched. A, what does creeping around your adult parents have to do with Coronation Street? Was Coronation Street a stealth game? <laughs> I don't know. Because I didn't watch Coronation Street. Of course you bloody didn't. Because I wasn't a 70-year-old grandma. B, what is this doing in STC without any explanation of itself? Yes, this is agonizingly uncool. <laughs> we, yes. we will get the... I mean, perhaps... I don't understand no, the Dave, around this. the ancient adult parent. It, it, the fact that this even refers to ancient adult parent humans in any capacity mm. seems almost to be a tacit admission mm. of the fact that this is a program that your granny watches. Yes, yeah. Maybe the contest itself, next issue, whatever it is, will provide some more context. Perhaps it's, it, perhaps creep around in this instance means uh, get a jump on them in some capacity. Sure. Get some goodos that, that they <laughs> would want because it's a program for old people that you wouldn't want, that, but, yeah. but if you win them, that means you'll be better than them because you'll have them. They might as well be, you know, teaming up with Panorama. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. We don't care about coronation. What it is that bugs me about this is that there is no explanation of wh why we're supposed to care about coronate. Why have you picked Coronation Street, the editorial team of Sonic the Comic? Well, it's an event. It, it, coronation Street is having an event. It's okay. having its 35th birthday. Okay. So, on Coronation Street, they wouldn't give a shit if Sonic the Hedgehog's fifth birthday was coming up. <laughs> to be fair. Coronation Street is a bit more of an institution in the UK than <laughs> Sonic. <laughs> Maybe back then. Not now. <laughs> STC has long since overtaken Coronation Street. <laughs> God, Coronation Street's 35th birthday. That's almost quaint. Isn't it? 30, yeah, th yeah. the fact that we're older than, than this is advertising as old. I mean, for God's <laughs> sakes. That, this comic isn't that far off no, in 35. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, um. Oh. Well, hopefully, in Coronation Street, they'll mention it when STC hits 35. <laughs> As a little bit of payback there, oh yeah. yeah. Make sure you have an order for the very next issue of STC, the comic that's right up your street. <laughs> Project Brutus, Part 4. Written by Lou Stringer. Art by Richard Elson. Letters by Ellie DeVille. Yeah, yeah, what? Yeah, what is yeah, all that yeah, nodding yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you just like it. The, <laughs> the unrestrained power and fury of Supersonic proves to be more than Brutus can handle as the hyper-powered hedgehog dodges and defeats every obstacle the Badnik commander throws at him, ultimately forcing Brutus to call retreat. Returning to the Metropolis Zone, Brutus is reprimanded by Robotnik for his insubordination and his failure, and soon begins plotting to overthrow the evil Doctor and to rule Mobius himself. Yep. This is yep. sick as balls, <laughs> yes. dude. This is awesome! Yes. This is so cool. What's so cool about it? Right, on page one, Brutus says, Come on, then, if you think you're hard enough. He really goes, like, Come on, to then, Super if you Sonic. Think you're tough enough. Yeah. And then Sonic's throwing out the real superhero insults almost, you know, Gonna smash you, Tin Man! And he kadangs straight into. I'm sorry, he kadooshes yeah. straight into Brutus. And Brutus is like, Oh my god, he can hurt me now! What? <laughs> Yeah. And I'm saying that we just got to do like a rapid fire of all the beats of this of all, fight. Yeah. So then Brutus grabs Amy, yeah. thinking that Sonic won't attack while yeah. he's holding a hostage. He doesn't realize Supersonic gives no F. No. 
Amy just goes like, oh, no, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, 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 he ain't gonna hold back. <laughs> Great line from Amy, actually, whenever Brutus grabs her. Think again, Ben face. <laughs> yep. You have the face of a Ben. Bam! <laughs> Supersonic comes speeding in, just smashes everybody. Damn, damn right. Then what happens is he literally punches Brutus's arm off. Arm off. He's got an arm off. <laughs> It's off! Even Brutus is like, he's, he's not going to stop! He realises even with heart, his arm is thrown off, Brutus is screaming, you know? Yeah! This is a huge robot knight version of Robotnik. This is essentially Robotnik with a robot knight body, and he's shitting himself. Yeah! So then it's Brutus, so cool. with his smouldering stump of an arm, takes to the air again and lures <laughs> Sonic back to the troopers waiting on the other side of the ravine, and is like, open fire! And then Supersonic simply just weaves through all the laser blasts. Supersonic! can dodge lasers that's so cool he's too fast of course he can then he comes down and he goes ding 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 pinball smashes every badnik <laughs> one after the other destroy destroy johnny and amy watching from the other side johnny goes he's um he's very efficient it's supersonic isn't he <laughs> <laughs> can't argue with that worried little johnny face for that one that's what i was gonna say this is the one time i'm gonna <laughs> let johnny's expression off you know so brutus is running back to the troop ship they came in on and you think maybe he's lagging it but no he's still got some rip up sleeve mm. get the foam cannon operational and then he hops in this little turret on the top of the troop ship and blasts mm. supersonic as he comes flying with this what he calls Doom foam. <laughs> Doom foam. Which immediately, so it scorches over, all over Supersonic, and it's like this horrible kind of grey brown kind of colour. And it immediately solidifies into mm. just a rock. It looks like an asteroid that he's trapped in with his hands sticking out and his spikes sticking out. And, it, and the troopers just pick that up and they're like, brilliant, all right, take this back to, take this back to Sentinel Robotic. Supersonic will give a <laughs> shit. He just explodes <laughs> his way out of it. And that's it for Brutus. <laughs> that hedgehog's tougher than I thought. I'll return to the Metropolis Zone and plan a new strategy to defeat him. And that is in five of these seven pages. Dave, <laughs> I'm gonna... Is this the hmm. best supersonic story? God, wait, I, do you I know what? I think it is. I hadn't allowed myself to think about it because I know some really good ones are coming up later. Oh yeah, but so far. Yeah, I think you might be right. This is extremely cool. This is... God! So, right, we've commented before about how good Lou is at cramming loads of stuff into a story. Exactly. And he's really bringing that to the fore here. Supersonic has never done so much mm. stuff mm. so quickly. And, you know, the idea of... Sure, we're all familiar with the idea that Supersonic will attack mm. whoever and whatever. We've seen it before. But it's never really been a plot point before. It just sort of happens. Like whenever, the last time we saw it, when he attacked Knuckles, well, he attacked Knuckles, but Knuckles was fine and nothing mm. happened. Whereas in, yeah. in... Yeah, yeah, this version of Supersonic, Knuckles' head would have been off. <laughs> well, I'm not even talking about that. It's just that... First punch! It was just, he did it because that's what Supersonic <laughs> does. But here, it's done to put the shits up Brutus. <laughs> So then what happens is, having he's exhausted himself, mm. and fair enough. Like, yeah. he's used up all his power. With he all put the, a lot of work in. By exploding out of a rock, He's that's that's him exhausted. So now he's blue again. You know, as soon as we get to the next page, where Sonic's up and about again, something about him having been supersonic for the whole strip so far, and then changing back to blue here, makes that blue look so good. It's the best colour. This is a blue hedgehog guy. Look at him. Ooh, love it. You know, I was reading this page and I was remembering reading it when I was a kid. And because I was having the same thought reading it, and I was like, "What? A, what a 
ponderous, almost pointless little page. You know, it's just Sonic hops over a ravine and that's it. And it, Yes, the whole page is taken up with that. Yeah, Sonic hops over the junky remains of the troopers and says, oh, guess, guess that's what I've just done. Because he doesn't remember what he does when he's supersonic. And he's like, yeah. how's Sonic going to get back across the ravine? Oh, no problem. And then he just jumps. And they dedicate, like, three panels in a row to him jumping and spinning and land a, a large panel to him curling into a ball. And, and, and then in the next panel landing, and I'm like... It's 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 a weird thing to say, but it's like given how much awesome stuff is crammed into this, you didn't even really need this page. No, but I like <laughs> that it's there because what it does for us is it gives us normal Sonic yeah. to contrast with Supersonic. You know, you know, I didn't real until you just said talking about how it was nice to see him in this lovely vibrant blue. I was like, that is probably what the point of this page is. Actually, there was a page in the strip specifically budgeted <laughs> to have regular <laughs> Sonic in it because you got a quota of some kind to meet. Yeah, yeah, and it, but it also it slows down. Be- yeah, it is literally a whole page of like. Oh, how's he going to get over this? Well, he's Sonic. He'll jump over it. It's so he'll fine. Do exactly the normal thing he always does. Yeah. But by spreading that over a whole page, it slows down. It's a yeah. It's changing the speed of. It's an exhalation. Yeah, of the actual narrative here, and it gives us a little rest, and then we get this lovely epilogue. Uh, where is Brutus? I ordered him to my office 20 minutes ago. I'm sure he has a good reason for being late, Doctor. Enter Brutus. About time, robot. I apologize for my lateness, Doctor. My bodywork needed repairing. And to rep- I mean, listen, right. Okay. This dude was cool from minute one. Mm-hmm. We established this, yep. all right. But he's just had an arm off. And now he has a gun arm. Oh, yeah! I didn't spot that! Come on! (laughs) Just showed up, and now, yeah, no, I've I've upgraded my... Oh, wouldn't it have been cool? I don't think they do this. Wouldn't it have been cool if he'd kept that up and kept upgrading himself? So every time he's got a new strip, he's got a bigger gun or some cannons coming out his Some extra bit gets blown (laughs) off him in every strip, and he (laughs) puts something new on for the next time he shows up. Like Baxter Stockman in the Turtles cartoon. Exactly! Your first mission has failed, Brutus. I told you to bring Sonic to me when you captured him and you disobeyed. I love this. With respect, Doctor, I am programmed with your brain patterns. In the same circumstances, you would have acted that way. That is so cool. That's something to think about. That refocuses the reader on what Brutus is, because he's not just a big gold man. He is literally Robotnik if he had that body. And this is such a cool concept done so well. And Robotnik doesn't even really have a comeback. It's just, "Ah, remember, you are just a robot, Brutus. Now get out of here and work on a new plan of attack. And we end the issue with Brutus going off and thinking to himself, Robotnik forgets that when he programmed me, I inherited his personality and his ambition. One day, I'll take control, and I'll rule planet Mobius. (laughs) Keep a lookout for further developments. And then next issue, The Return of Chaotix, which is every every word of this exciting to me. (laughs) It was simply getting to the end of this as a kid, and realising that, even though we've already well established at this point, that this four-part Lou Stringer, Richard Elson story was clearly something new from Lou Stringer. This was a, a, an escalation of everything he'd been doing in the comic already. 
and to find that it wasn't just a one-off situation. There's an ongoing story now in play from yeah. from Stringer. Dave, I'm going to say it. Okay. This was better than the Brotherhood of Metallics. Y- yeah. These four parts have been, gosh, <laughs> so exciting. Yeah. So, you know, thrilling, full of, you know, great snappy one-liners. Mm-hmm. But, like, explosive thrilling action with a menacing villain who I, I, I mean part of it in this issue is there's a combination of the inherent coolness of supersonic and me personally just having a great love of media in which a villain who's been preening around throughout the whole thing flaunting their invincibility their invulnerability absolutely getting their face stoved in <laughs> and, sh- and, and stripping all that artifice away from this guy who thinks he's hot sh- and being proven that he in fact ain't it yeah i love that in any i love a preening aristocratic type villain who gets his face smashed in the dirt love it <laughs> and uh this gives me that in spades but the arm off with the arm oh, off just punched off which they then use as an excuse to make him even cooler (laughs) oh yeah good god wow fantastic set of four parts (laughs) i did and i don't think when we were reading these as adults now for this podcast that i was even this excited by sonic and knuckles (laughs) i mean that's uh, remembering back to my childhood reactions to them, certainly that's not the case. Oh, yeah. I think it's simply because I, I remembered Sonic and Knuckles so well. Yes. Uh, but I've been actually quite surprised at how thrilling and exciting and menacing this four-parter has been. Well, I think part of that is because we know Lou as a comedy strip guy, and he's great at that, and that's what he normally does. So it's easy to forget that when he's asked to do more story-driven, more kitchen-y sort of stories, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he can switch into that mode and deliver something really good. That's what he's been hired for this time, and he's just nailed it completely. Smashed it out of the park. And I think even now, in a sort of historical sense, when people look back on STC, mm. that's still the hole into which they pigeon Stringer. <laughs> you, you tend to find that that's how he is referred to. Yeah. Uh, but he, man had the chops. Yeah. And this has been... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a plus stuff. This has been some of the most exciting. Mean, it, it also helps, you know, that this story has been set alongside some other absolutely top class yeah. other strips in the comic too. Yeah. You know, to be honest, I'm not sure that the whole comic cover to cover quite maintained such a consistent level of quality at any point in the previous big epic tentpole storylines that we've gone through in this year no i know i know what was good about stc for a long time was the first seven pages and then there was some other guff as well whereas right now we're in a little golden age cover to cover bangers yeah oh, i need to calm down a bit <laughs> Refuso. Refuso. Did you watch Our Real Monsters? I did watch Our Real Monsters. Uh-huh. I suppose we should put a bit more emphasis on the R. <laughs> ah, Real Monsters. 
<laughs> yeah. We are monsters. <laughs> I, I would have watched it, but I don't really remember it. I don't think I was into it. It's funny. I, I tend to think of it as one of like the later uh, yeah. Nicktoons by the yeah. standard of the of the decade. But here it is in 95, you know. I'm very surprised. Yeah, I, I would have said that it was on when I essentially was too old for watching cartoons on CITV or whatever. But no, I'm not in 95. Mm, well, you never were, so... <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, yeah, because I checked it, because it's actually the fifth Nicktoon. Huh? After Doug and Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy and Rocco's Modern Life, Our Real Monsters was the fifth Nicktoon. Uh, uh, okay, that seems odd that they only had the five. Like, what did they do the rest of the time? News? R- repeats and other programs. You know, Nicktoon, Nickelodeon wasn't just a cartoon channel. It showed other programs as well. Oh, I didn't realize that. Of course you didn't. Why would you watch other programs when they're cartoons? Well, and also, you know, I didn't have an access to this channel. Well, I do, <laughs> yeah, me neither did I. <laughs> That's why I had to go and look it up. Yeah, was it even broadcast here? Or was it a Sky Channel? Hmm. No, I don't know. Well, because we got all those cartoons, but we got them on... We did, we got them on Terrestrial. On Terrestrial. I'm going to say probably, but I'm not going to look it up, just to give the listeners out there a reason to sort of shout at their headphones. <laughs> they like that. They do like that. Yeah. you got to give somebody that. Yeah. So this is a two-page review of this, and um, it's a... Do you know... I'm sure we've done it before, and I'll continue to do it probably for all of my life, and I don't know if it ever was the prototypical game that did it, but I'm going to call it a a Lost Vikings. Oh, is it? Where you're in control of the three characters as a group, and you switch between them to use their unique abilities to solve puzzles and progress through the level. Uh I don't know if Lost Vikings pioneered that, but it's just I always think of things like that as a Lost Vikings. This is a review by Neil Bryant. Not a name I think we've heard before. I think we may have once... Because I get this sense of saying that about it. Oh, okay. Right, I looked it up. Here's what it is. He's the one who reviewed the Marsupilami game. So we've seen him before, but it doesn't look like we commented on it at the time, and it doesn't even seem like I cut anything out, so I guess we just didn't. And so I'm probably thinking of when I was making my notes. Oh, look, I didn't really read this. I mean, for one thing, it's printed black on dark green. Yeah, that's really... Yeah, it's not easy to read. It's not easy to read. But it's a fine little thing that just is like, here's what you do. Yeah. And he says it's oddly enough created in good taste, captures all the elements of the humour, which adds the entertainment. It'll bring out the monster in all players... Five bonus levels too, plenty of appeal on offer. Tell you what, cheering myself up a little bit, because I've basically dismissed this because I didn't care about the cartoon. If I did, I bet this would look really cool, because looking at it now with slightly more objective eyes, trying to come up with something to say, it does look like they've replicated the style of the cartoon very well. Yes, yes, they've done a good job there. It is appealing looking. If you've never seen the cartoon, it's a cool style for a game. It kind of reminds me of, um, well, frankly, Cosmic Spacehead and a few other cartoony games that I like the look of. And yeah, cool. You know, a a while back, my brother, uh, who lives in London, WhatsApped me a picture of a painting that he and his girlfriend had uh, recently hung on their wall. It was an abstract uh, image. Uh. And he says, he messages it to me and he says, what is this reminding me of? You know, it's doing something, it's tickling his brain, the look of it. And he's like, what... What what is this? What cartoon is this where a bloke that was all eyes that I'm seeing and I'm squinting at this picture and I'm like and it's just kind of a blow and there's kind of like two sort of white dots higher up in the image and I'm like are you talking about Crumb from Our Real Monsters? <laughs> and it was! Oh. <laughs> 
we got there. So apparently our real monsters was a real staple in the McFeely household. It uh, it burrowed... Well, I had to look up the character's name, I think. Yeah, but right. um, <laughs> but uh, it burrowed uh, deep enough into his subconscious, anyway, that this abstract painting was bringing it out. <laughs> it a three-page review, I actually could not tell you when we last had one of those. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because uh, this is a two-page... It's a double-page spread review of Ah, Real Monsters. Yeah. And then over the page, we've got Zoop. Zoop. Which is a, a puzzle game, and a challenging sounding puzzle game it is too, I thought. Yes, I'm, uh, I wanted to play this as I was reading this. This this looks interesting to me. What you seem to have is you're an arrow in the middle of the screen on a little mm-hmm. checkerboard of some description. It seems to change depending on the level. So you're a little arrow, and you're a certain colour, and all of these different bits are flying towards you from four different compass directions. If, say, there was a row of three purples in the same place as there are in one of these pictures, if you were purple, if your arrow was purple, you could shoot at them and that will destroy them and you're trying to stop anything getting to the middle, I assume. If you weren't purple, then what you need to do is shoot something that is to turn purple and then you can destroy purple things. Does that sound reasonable? That's, yep, that's, imagine asteroids with a colour coding system. Oh, yes, I suppose so, actually, yeah. Yeah. I looked up video on YouTube just to understand fully how it works and it's yeah like if you shoot an object that is a color which your pointer shooter mm-hmm. is not the color switch mm. you know? so you can't shoot the object and then immediately shoot it to destroy it because the object has now changed color to whatever color your pointer was so there's it's not, it doesn't seem very intuitive as a puzzle gaming system but it's interesting. I think I'd get hacked off with it trying to play it, but I'd like yes. to have a go at it. <laughs> yes, it, it, there's, it, there isn't there a sort of an air of Choo Choo Rocket about it to look at? Which... I never played Choo Choo Rocket, so I don't oh, actually well, know what that even involves. <laughs> I don't know why I did. I certainly never bought it, so maybe it just came with the Dreamcast or something. Perhaps it was just a oh. demo, but I just remember that being a game that had a similar look to this and was too fast to understand what was going on, and it just was really annoying to play. <laughs> well, based on the video I saw, it's not that fast, at least okay. in the early levels. Yeah, yeah. And both of these are uh, listed as pre-release versions again, but oh. they did, I've checked, both come out. Ah, <laughs> good. And one final note that I thought was interesting, but which is probably coincidental, uh-huh. the uh, scoring system, which we previously called attention to the sheer nonsense of, actually does work out averages this time. <laughs> oh, so does this mean that yeah. Neil Bryant is of a similar mind to you about how scores should work? <laughs> yeah, so graphics 90, playability 90, sound 88, overall 89. More, well, more or less an average, give or take a fraction point, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Monster of the Year, Part 1, written and drawn by Nigel Kitching, with letters by Tom Frame. Frank Einstein has entered Chuck into the Monster of the Year contest, but getting to the finals means taking a train, and that means bundling Chuck up to look halfway normal. <laughs> the journey gets off to a bad start when our horrible heroes have a run-in with some skinheads, and gets worse when it turns out Stein has bought the wrong tickets and they're kicked off the train. It's our favourite D-head. Back again. <laughs> it's actually so odd 
to see it facing a review zone page? There's something throwing me off about the double page layout here. Mm. I'm used to an ad being here now. <laughs> okay, so this is literally just some, like, train satire. Yeah, this is just, like, isn't the British public transit system a nightmare to navigate? That's the, that's yeah. the joke, folks. <laughs> Apart from the fact that these are monstery type characters and what they are is relevant to what happens to them on the train, mm. this is mostly train gags. And I am extremely up for classic sitcom decap. This is just these people in this situation, and I flipping love it. That's what I was going to say, sitcom gags, because that goes hand in hand with what you were saying back on the cover about how, yeah, this is the point where Decap Attack stops being about some big idea for six issues, and it's just, here's these funny characters, their personalities, their roles, their relationships to one another are now well-established. Let's put them on a train and see what happens. And like, right, by the way, first panel, look at it. Nigel's done an amazing job of drawing this train station. Look at the fiddly twiddly awning, whatever they're called, ballasts, whatever they are. Just the shape of the train, all the details on the train. This is amazing drawing. So this is some kind of scientific contest, it seems. Stein says it is not every day one gets one's greatest creation into the finals of Monster of the Year. Mm. I love how, look how happy Head looks there in that panel, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Igor's, conti- come on, Prof, you don't really think Chuck has a chance. He's up against some serious competition. And Head, with his little beanie hat <laughs> on, a little wooly cap with the pom-pom on top. Um, and Chuck hidden under a big, heavy duffel coat with a scarf wrapped around, mm. so he looks maybe normal if you're looking at him out of the side of your eye ignore professor we won't let you down he looks so happy but then chuck bursts out and it's misery for head for the rest of his trip (laughs) (laughs) a moment of peace and silence for head disrupted Uh, oh gosh i've got to tell you though i i think this might be the decap strip where i I laughed the hardest of any of them that we've had so far just like (laughs) Good gag that lands after good gag, you know. Mm. Chuck's head bursts out of the duffel coat and says, I can hardly breathe in here. And head goes, it'd help if you took a bath once in a while. <laughs> and Chuck's like, eh, very funny. Besides, if I get wet, my stitches come loose and my, my legs, legs fall, fall off. off. <laughs> <laughs> and just something about how funny that line is. Plus how, like, wide-eyed angry he is. He's got just, just the drawing, the hand out, the eyes, him saying that. And, and, uh, and head rolling his eyes. My legs fall off. <laughs> it's really good. Stein stuffs Chuck back inside the coat as some kids walk past. Good. Now, now we look like three ordinary citizens waiting to board the train. If people recognised us, there might be panic. And the kids go past going, look, it's potty Professor Frankenstein <laughs> and his bonkers monster Chuck D. Head. Oh, yeah, so it is. I love that. Yeah. And then there's the prof in the foreground of the panel kind of doing a <laughs> Jim looking into the camera on the office thing. But I love it because it might be, it might be the least wild take yes. drawing of Stein Kitching has ever drawn. Yeah. <laughs> He's so put out by the fact. Well, actually, you know what? I can't. No, I'm not. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh-huh. I'm not 100% sure if it's the professor reacting to the fact he's been discovered with a sort of sunken face mm-hmm. or if that's him staring into the middle distance trying to look normal and the kids <laughs> recognizing him as they go past. I don't know. It could be either one, works either way. So then they get into this train and there's just some like thugs on the train. Yeah. It's- Football hooligan skinhead types, type guys, really, yeah, because yeah. they've booked a, a little carriage or whatever you call. What do you call it? They've booked a a, a compartment. Yes, he has reserved the compartment. Yes, and but it's full of baddies. <laughs> <laughs> this compartment is reserved, you know. Yeah, well, we just unreserved it. So close the door on your way out. 
sling your bones or I'll knock what's left of your head off. And then Chuck from inside the coat goads the bloke on. <laughs> There's this whole thing of, yeah, he's making the bloke think that Head is saying this stuff to him because he's hidden away in the coat. And it's lovely. And it just goes on. It's just a, it's classic gags, this stuff. Yeah, and it culminates in the bloke punching Head off of the off of Chuck's body. And the guys freak out. Eek! One screams and then the other one goes, Keith, you've killed him! That's Keith with two. F's. Keith with two F's. <laughs> <laughs> Keith just looks a little confused, and these two other guys are absolutely. Lo- I love, I love the guy on the left just doing the eek. He's not even looking in the direction of the heart. He is just screaming into the infinite, into the void. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with these black shadows over his eyes. Keith, you've killed him, oh, and so, so they run off. So our heroes get their. Uh, Get their compartment back. <laughs> and then, yes, the last page is just, isn't the British rail system garbage? <laughs> yeah, it's all stuff about, oh, but you've bought Super Saver. He, he has a sort of Bobby on the Beat voice in my head. I don't know why. Oh, but you've bought Super Savers, which can only be used after 7 o'clock on the return part of your journey when you're travelling on a special service when there's a Z in the month. No, no, look, it says here, valid on all special service trains. Look. You got him there, Prof. No, you haven't. Today's Friday. That makes it a blue day. What? That's right. Your tickets aren't valid on a blue day if your journey takes you in a pink zone. I'm going to have to ask you to get off. Yeah. And so and then we just cut to outside. Final panel. Our heroes lying on the tracks as Igor moans, I could have stopped the train for us. <laughs> and that's it. And it, it does seem, with it, where it says next issue, the contestants, that implies that we're going to see the competition. But frankly, that would have been fine as a complete uh, Yeah, you could have stopped there. Yep. The contest is just the story rationale to get them on the tree and to tell the jokes. Yes. Yeah. You know? I don't care if Chuck wins Monster of the Year. <laughs> I have every confidence that the next episode is just going to be about as silly as that. If I recall correctly, this is a six-issue run of Decapitac, as is known. Oh, brilliant. But it's not Monster of the Year parts one mm-hmm. through six. Mm-hmm. I think we get a couple of small stories, like Monster of the Year is a couple of parts, and then there might be like a, a bunch of standalones and one-parters and stuff after that to carry out the rest of the run. So, as you say even more evidence of how this was the strip where Decap Attack transitioned from being an event story into the ITV sitcom version of what it is. Actually, I'm sorry, that's a tremendous insult. The BBC sitcom <laughs> of what it is. I love this, and I'm well up for it being that. You know, I don't know if this is what it's going to be like all the time, but just the idea of these are the characters, throw them in a situation, and drop that into STC for some reason. I was going to say talk about going from the sublime to the ridiculous but we're only halfway through the comic (laughs) you know to go from thrilling action and adventure to some of the biggest laughs i think decap attack has has yet offered up all in the space of 12 pages Mm. (laughs) more please more please what's next (laughs) well (laughs) this is so crap that when I turned the page, I actually laughed. Something about the scale of how big this thing is, it juts its face out of the page at you. <laughs> it's just nothing. It's just a picture of a little badnik. <laughs> As promised on the cover, yes, it is the Jaws badnik pinup. The Jaws being the, I don't know what it is, like a piranha or a sort of a shark or whatever. The, the little chompy teeth badnik from the labyrinth zone. 
Yeah, with the little turbo engine thing at the back. Yeah. The one that you thought was purple, because you only ever saw them in the underwater sections of the Labyrinth Zone where the palette made them purple. Oh. Except for that weird bit where if you got up far enough into the corner, you could see them swimming through empty air and you knew they Could've. were really red. Oh, yeah. well, I don't know that I ever noticed that. Or, or maybe even got there, I don't know. But that's what it is, and it's uh, it's part of a run of these rubbish badnik pinups that we are well into now. We've had, what, we've had a bat brain, a coconuts, and a jaws. Hmm. And I don't think they're in any danger of uh, stopping anytime soon, regrettably. And they're all just the same Farron Rodriguez. Is it credited to Farron Rodriguez? Farron Rodriguez, yes. Just those little airbrushed ones. Though, to be honest, I think this one is the best one we've had so far. Because there's actually a slightly dynamic... I was imagining uh, just the same image of a bunch of Jaws as statted over and over, just in in full-on profile view. But it, it, there's actually a slightly dynamic angle on the... Yeah. Like, it's not impressive, but it's just somehow reality has actually exceeded the expectations <laughs> I had for the pin-up in this in this. Yes, issue. the problem is simply that... There's no need for the existence of... We can tell... When they say there's a pin-up, we know no one will pin this up. And so, what's it for? Au contraire, mon frere, for this second-hand grotty copy derived from eBay, <laughs> is missing the pin-up. Oh. The previous owner of this... Oh desecrated copy did indeed think that was worth sticking on their wall then i can only imagine that they did it with literally all of them this is nobody nobody sees that and goes that's the one that's, that's going the one up. for me yeah right yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean so the long story short is i i really need to get a hold of another copy of issue 66 <laughs> You're wanting to put the pin-up up, are you? Not least of all because of what the owner has done to our next strip. <laughs> Knuckles. The Homecoming, part two. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, letters by Elita Fell. Dr. Zachary promises to answer Knuckles' questions about the fate of the Echidna race after a night's sleep, weary after having avoided the robot pursuing him for so long. Knuckles discovers that the robot is an echidna creation when he finds an illustration of it in the island's ancient scrolls, whereupon the robot itself returns and makes a beeline for the Emerald Chamber, where it seizes and shatters the Master Emerald! Oof! Oof! Genuinely, turning the page, or moving my eyes to the panel, or whatever it was I'd managed to do, and seeing that smash the Master Emerald, it, I recoiled, I did, I tensed up! The Master Emerald! Like it was nothing! I mean, this is 1995, remember? Uh -huh. So, you know, today the idea of shattering the Master Emerald is old hat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but back then... Mm. The sound effect is crack, and the way Dobbin has drawn it, that is a crack. He has cracked it up. You can feel the, the solidity of it all the way through. And I think it's because it comes apart in three big chunks. The one in either of his hands and the point. And all that's like between them are these slivers the the merest little shards mm. left so it's Knuckles like needs to get his emerald radar going to find those he does. after this is all done he does he does it's like um you know how when strong and cool people take an apple and just tear it in half into two even halves i have never seen that but if they did i think seen a strong and cool person pull an apple in half chris if i ever saw that i would say that's a strong and cool person to manage to do that <laughs> exactly that's kind of what the robot's done there. He's grabbed it on either side and just pulled, and it's going thunk, and then the pointy bit at the end's fallen off. <laughs> What's he on about? Do people, do strong, cool people do that? 
YouTube it right this second. <laughs> okay, all right. All right, hang on. What we got I... time to spare. We're we're only an hour deep here, and we're on knuckles already. Oh, lovely. What shall I do? Like pull pull Apple apart? What shall I put? Strong, cool person. Strong, <laughs> cool Apple person pulls Apple apart. Let's try that. <laughs> uh, how to rip an apple in half with your bare hands. There you go. Yeah. Bob Mortimer claims he can break an apple in half with his bare hand. Clearly, Bob Mortimer well, is, is your go-to image of a strong, cool person. He's certainly a cool person. Yeah. <laughs> How to crack an apple in half with your bare hands. This week, I learned to split an apple. In- yeah, this is... Yeah. Intense boy pulls apple apart. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing you can do anyway. And that's just what pulling the uh, the emerald in half reminded me of. Not to, not to in any way, reduce the impact of that. <laughs> There's a thumbnail here of a bloke who's all muscles. It's just his arms coming in, all muscles, Popeye looking, and he's going to pull this apple apart with him. Yeah, that is a thing. Strong, cool people do that, apparently. Isn't that first panel on the first page... The most deliciously lickable that the Chaos Emeralds have looked thus far. I, you, and now, now that I've, maybe it's just because I've got it into my head that I think they look like sweets, but they, they do. Re, no, they look like diamond-shaped fruit pastels. There they are right now. Yes. In this panel. There they are right, and, it, and he uses such rich colours for them, that's the thing. Look at that blue one. Did you ever see anything as blue as that? Look at that purple one. Look at it! In the, and the way that they do dissolve into sort of sugary white at the, the tip. Yeah, the, the point. little spangly bits. It does look like they are rolled in sugar. Mm. <laughs> oh, I want I want to nibble on them. Oh, I want to suck it! Somebody make me these sweets, please. <laughs> I haven't got any notes for Knuckles, and I think it's because I was just reading it. I think I was just so entertained by this. The thing about this is... Mm. It's impossible to separate reading it now from one's foreknowledge of... The, sort of like Brutus, although we mm-hmm. copped on to the fact that there were sort of seeds of where Brutus was going very early on. It, uh, in the case of Dr. Zachary, it's hard to read this separate from the knowledge of what will be done with the character in the future. Mm. So that just colours any kind of rereading. It's just it's just the nature of it. But... Ah, do be sus, man. That's the thing, though. He do be sus. There's something about this guy. The fact that he turns up... The fact that... Well, I think the thing that really seeds it the most is that when you turn the page to page two, immediately there is this drawing of Doc Zack in a suspicious-looking way. He's, like, looking over his shoulder, eyes half-closed, kind of looking... And it's it's just drawn in a way that communicates. There's something up with this guy. Uh, uh, maybe it's his scraggly little beard. I don't know what it is about him, but I don't like him. I just don't... I'm not into him. Well, unpack what's happened in between the end of the last issue and the start of this one. The first echidna Knuckles has seen in, Mm. I guess, his life, because he has no memory of his... This is... this Guarding the island is all he's ever known. He doesn't know how he or why he came to the situation. So the first echidna that Knuckles ever remembers knowing, he would love to know where his race went, where Mm -hmm. they are now, what happened to them, what's brought Dr. Zachary back. But... The first thing Doc Zack appears to have wanted to do is go and show us the Chaos Emeralds. Yeah, yeah. And Knuckles has brought him to show him the Chaos Emeralds. Now, we don't necessarily know that Zachary asked. Maybe Knuckles was like, hey, hey, come on, come on, check this out. But, (laughs) but... Did you find it a bit weird that he was like, oh, so the legends are true. The Chaos Emeralds really exist. Presumably that's the point of it. But all I'm thinking is like, wouldn't Knuckles go, hang on a minute. You're supposed well, to know about this. Yes, I view that actually more as uh, less of an in-universe indication of his sussiness than I do a continuity issue where I'm like, 
Yeah, they do, and you really probably should actually know that. Uh, just within yeah. the grand scale. Like, why wouldn't you know that if you're hmm. from here? What's the timeline of the Chaos Emeralds? They already had them. They didn't look like this, but they already had the little flat ones on the floating island. Well, no, no. Um, uh, it's years before the backstory of all this is properly filled in within the continuity of Sonic the comic. But way back in the day, the Echidnas did have the big, full and proper, brilliant cut gemstones as they are now. Well, okay, but that not having been written yet. Oh, well, yeah. All we know is that there were... But there were Chaos Emeralds on the floating island. There were already Chaos Emeralds on the island, yes. For us to assume this guy should know about. Yeah. So that is a bit... So that's... So well, then, then it must be a clue, mustn't it? Well... I'm not sure. Are we going to get a bit later where Knuckles goes, well, I knew from the moment you said the Chaos Emeralds, are they really real? Maybe. I suppose you never know. You never know, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, Knuckles wants to know where where have they gone? Mm -hmm. Why was I left? And he's like, ah, yes, yes, I have much to tell you, Knuckles, but now I am weary and need sleep. Oh, that's so annoying. Oh, pricky. Oh, God. I'm weary and need sleep. Oh, yeah, you're weary and need sleep, are you? Well, you were able to come down here and gawk at these, all right. (laughs) Mind you, this panel of the robot then emerges... Oh, this, um, this is a great page layout. Oh, this page is okay. split into two columns. And on the left side of the column, it's just Knuckles and Zachary's exchange. And builds to Zachary saying that he's been in hiding. The robot has never come so close to catching him before. He's been on the run from it for a long time. Knuckles says, don't worry about it. I took care of him. And uh, Zachary thinks the robot is virtually indestructible and able to track him somehow. It'll never rest until it has me. So then the whole right-hand column of the page is just a full, top-to-bottom, single, one, tall panel of the robot climbing out of the hole Knuckles sent it falling into last issue. And, ooh, look at that. Mm. That's a great panel. It's it's so great. And we said it before, but the fact that this strip just plays to all of Nigel Dobbin's particular personal strengths, he's drawing, he's painting this ancient mystical island and he gets to draw these bejeweled robots that live on it and stuff. And it's, this is exactly what you use Nigel Dobbin for. A perfect introduction it's of his style to the comic. Ornate techno magic. Yeah. And... I don't think I ever properly copped as a kid that the robot is one-eyed, you know? I saw the oh. I saw the, the visor slit like Cyclops from the X-Men or something like that, but it's got that one glowing white pupil at the heart of the red visor, and it's like a proper Cylon-style side-to-side sweep look to it. Yes, you're right, because there's that bit where it... See, I haven't been sure whether or not that is just the incidental gleam of the light reflecting to show you that it's made out of something reflective but there is that panel on the penultimate page the first panel where it seems to be angling that glow to look at knuckles so yeah yeah yeah. oh just a second you know what i've just noticed what if we were at all concerned about there being hints about dr zachary's susness this is maybe what i'm looking for what have you found the medallion around zachary's neck oh and the indentation on the robot's chin oh Oh, yeah! It's got this little sort of sweepy, roundy, symbol-y look to it, hasn't it? Is it actually the same? I'm trying to find a close-up of the medallion. Yeah, we don't get too close a look at Zachary's medallion in this one, but if you look at the last page, first panel on the last page, it's a mirror image of it. Yeah, That thing is going to plug in to yeah, the socket on the robot's chin. There. Yeah, that's what's happening there, yeah. And, I mean, you can say you can write that off as like well it's an ancient echidna symbol so it's fine that he would Mm -hmm. but um, no uh, what i was looking for that i've now found is the bit where knuckles does think to himself but why should one of the robots built by the people of the floating island attack dr zachary like if this is made to protect people from here 
Why is it attacking this person who's definitely from here and a good guy? Definitely. Definitely. Perhaps we'll find out next issue. Ahem. Ahem. <laughs> <laughs> For yes, as the robot comes smashing through the wall and then Knuckles, you know, leaps into a target. Try again, big head, which is not quite, you know, mm. on the artistic level of bin face. But I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was another insult, actually. We didn't flag it up back in the Brutus strip where um, Brutus grabs Amy and he swats Johnny aside. Johnny says, get back, creepin'. And, and uh, Brutus swats him aside and says, silence, teeth ache. Teeth ache. Anyway, so Knuckles fights with the robot. Zachary pops up. Oh, no, not the robot. Run for it. And uh, Knuckles says, oh, no, he's frozen with fear. <laughs> and then the... Ra- oh, great, great panel rounding that. Pay- as oh, yeah. as the robot sort of full body whips. Yeah. And its big, cool, ribbony arm <laughs> whips out and sends Knuckles flying backwards in a big Sal Buscema Sunday punch. Yeah. <laughs> Whipped back so hard that his little silver collar is even, like, levitating up off of his chest. I know, yeah. You get the sense that when he lands, it'll go, wee, 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 Yeah. <laughs> and then, moments later, when Knuckles wakes up, Zachary's like, oh, thank goodness you're alive. Uh, where's the robot? Well, he turned away from me at the last second and went down there. I'm not sure what I'm doing for Dr. Zachary there, though. He's definitely old and British, right? Oh, yeah. Of course I he just, is. I don't know. I don't know. Do we want some kind of an Alec Guinness thing? <laughs> yeah. There's about, something a bit Alec Guinness about him, isn't there? Dangerously into yeah. Was, Thank goodness you're alive. He turned away from me at the last second. And, <laughs> and there's a there's an earthquake as well as the robot removes the emerald. The island starts shaking, you know? Mm. And then... What's the deal with this one pronounced dent in the robot's head throughout? No, the uh, yeah, oh, okay, good. I was wondering about that because it's really focused on, and it's obviously, you know, I take it to be just the result of, I don't know, I was looking back to see did Knuckles punch him before, but not in this issue. Was it in the last no, issue? It's not there when it climbs out of the hole. What in this issue? Yeah, yeah. See, in the, in the big panel, it's not there when it climbs right. out of the hole, but, but it, it is there, there once it smashes through the wall. So that's it then. I guess it got it smashing through the wall. I guess it, yeah, got it smashing through the wall. Unless we're going to, unless it's really intricate and we're going to get a flashback later where Doc Zack does something to it in between scenes. (laughs) A unique feature of this strip in my personal copy, going Mm -hmm. back once again to the grotty and defaced nature of of this whole issue, is um, (laughs) whoever owned this, I guess, maybe didn't think much of the knuckle strip. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe of Dobbin or whatever, because the the old biro has been busted out and uh, almost every page of the knuckle strip has been scribbled over in some capacity. Oh, really? What have yeah, they done? No other pages in the comic have been touched in this way. Huh. But um, uh, on page two, Dr. Zachary, in his close-up panel, has been given a little curly moustache. <laughs> and across pages three and four, mm-hmm. Knuckles's mouth has been drawn over with a big black ooh. Like, I think it is maybe supposed to be making a yawn. I'm not sure. You know, to go along with how he says he's tired in the scene. And is that a snot bubble coming out of his nose in that first panel there? Oh, I didn't even see it. It is, yeah. Ah. Yeah, he may be 
Something like that, yeah. Well, that'll have been done relatively recently. We didn't have that before the sort of, like, late 90s manga thing kicked off. Oh, you can have... No, well, we had gross snot bubbles. Not, Not for when someone's sleepy, though. That wasn't... That's true, yes. That, we didn't have... No. The first, I think, like, the first time I noticed that would have been, like, in the 2000s. Unless in the sort of defacing way mm. the previous owner has given the robot a sort of cool visor. Yeah, sweet. I mean, it's already got a cool visor. <laughs> yeah, it's got a sort of knight's visor yeah. above its above its slit eye, yeah. which he has drawn in on the second page, and even on the blueprints. Oh yeah, <laughs> the attention to detail, making them the bluest bit of the blueprints. Yes, it, it stands <laughs> out there more than anywhere else. <laughs> uh, no defacement to the fourth page, but on the fifth page, as uh, and this is a bad one actually. Okay, um, as the as the robot shatters the emerald he's just drawn in the connecting lines from the cracks in the from the, the oh. facets the vertices of the emerald <laughs> he's drawn in the lines connecting them across all the other bits yes he's attempted to complete the emerald hasn't he yes across the white space of the explosion next issue it says here crash down oh. obviously with the master emerald having been not just removed, but destroyed. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, one cannot help but reflect back upon just recently when the Master Emerald was stolen and the floating island still had enough juice to fly around and shoot lasers and shit. <laughs> but perhaps it's different because it has actually been destroyed here, mm. shattered. So, uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Although I'm Z- Zachary is, there's a, a face turn waiting to happen here. Mm. I'm not actually sure what his end game is. I don't, and yeah. I don't remember quite how this uh, unfolds. So we will see. Yes, look forward to finding out. It's a good comic, though, isn't it? So whatever it, it is. It's so I'm so happy that we're here at this bit now. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think you were pointing it out last issue. Is I'm realising now how uh, little of the the two Nigels worked together on Knuckles. I actually owned personally right. when I bought the comic back in the day. Um, and mm-hmm. how much of it I only really experienced after I'd already stopped buying the thing on a regular basis and was just looking at it in the in the shop. God, it's a pretty robot. Oh. It's a real babe. Q-zo. 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 Don't care. I would rather have a graphic zone. Yep. It's just Road Rash 3 Special Part 3. The third and mercifully final part of this Road Rash walkthrough. There's nothing. It's nothing. No, don't Top tips. Just Mm. some ideas. Drive in the middle of the road. Sure. It gets harder the longer it goes. Make your bike go forwards until the end of the track, mate. And then some codes for bikes and money and such. I do like this one for a top secret bike, though. Go on. To access a secret bike that goes at a speedy 215 miles prior, to jump to level 3, get $3,330 in cash, and have all the upgrades and the club chain and mace weapons, you reset the game and plug your joypad into port 2 and then put this code in, which is uh, B left, up right, and start. And I just like port swapping pad code stuff like that. (laughs) I like the implementation of the thing as a physical item in achieving yes. the effect, you know. But uh, I feel bad for wishing the Q-Zone would just sort of hurry up and go away, don't you? Yeah, no, I know. Because the, it, it, who cares? It's like, a funny holdover now. We've lost the new zone. Mm. The review zone has become intermittent. But the Q-Zone is here every issue. And it was always... While the most yeah. functional as a kid when the games were new and there was a good possibility you owned them and might be playing them, yeah, fine, no argument. But as a retrospective, there's nothing interesting to it, isn't it? And honestly, loath as I am, and as we are on this podcast to admit it, but 
These are starting to feel like holdovers now. It's like they're the Mega Drive's little fingers on the edge of the cliff here. We're like, oh, there's another road rash. Oh, there's, a, you know, more Mega Drive cheats. Okay. That feeling must surely be amplified a little bit, though, by how much stone-cold fried gold is going on in the comic around it, <laughs> such that yeah. the real-life video game aspects of the stuff mm, don't yeah. matter too much to us. Yeah. But speaking of real-life aspects... News Dave, take us back to the real life of 1995 with another look at... My Teenage Diary. That's right, on this podcast we like to try and recreate authentically for you what it was like to be a child of this age in 1995, and I can help out with that because I wrote it all down. So let's see now what was going on this fortnight in 1995. On the 29th of November, that's when something quite monumental and sonic bass happens to me yes so there i am chris i'm now in or i'm entering but i think i'm in the last year at this school like i'm one of the big kids now i'm i'm in year nine and so there is a certain drifting away from the likes of sonic the hedgehog and stc among my friends it's uh it's kind of going away there's there's a lot more serious things are being discussed mm. now the kids are getting deep into the old warhammer miniatures and violence uh, and there and are blood and such violence and bloodshed and there are of course the girls oh well that's going on as well there's all sorts of gossipy stories happening we're having different mindsets and i innocent that i am am kind of wanting to go back uh, to those times and so one afternoon, we have a modular studies afternoon on Wednesdays where you, you pick uh, a load of things that you find interesting at the start of the year. And I'm in. Yes, I remember those. Yeah. And I'm in a sort of uh, computers club type lesson. And there we are on in our, in our school's computer lab, which is, as I've mentioned before, stocked entirely with ancient BBC micros. Completely unfit for purpose in 1995. Hmm. And so there we are playing something I think was called Into the Unknown or something like that. It was a game where you are piloting a little ship around and you're drawing the outline of the country you are discovering until you discover uh, that it's America or something like that. You've been stealthily educationed and you go, oh, I know what that is in real life when you've finished drawing it. There's a couple of kids there in this class. Oh, and we're playing that game where there's a, a load of matches, and it's like, can you make the matches go in the shape without running out of matches or whatever it is? Very, very dull. There's nothing to do in this class but sit and chat. Do you know what the one one of those games I remember is? I can't... I want to say, right, that it was called something like the, Dre the Dread Dragon Droom or something like that. <laughs> and I've Googled that and I can find a game with that name from the right sort of era. Oh. But it's not the game I'm thinking of. So maybe right. that's simply not the game's name. Just mixing them up, yeah. But it was a game where there was a, a dragon. Yeah. It shot bursts of fire down around the screen and you had to navigate your little nightman around its fire blasts. And, you know, wherever the blast hit, there was an obstruction and you couldn't cross that space again in the rest of the game so you had to navigate around this and get round and get up to the dragon's head and, and and that would that would kill it i remember that game and that's it and that's the end of the story that's the one of those old rubbish school computer games that i remember and if anybody out there knows what that was if that sounds familiar a big red and yellow dragon shot fire at you had to navigate around and get up to its head if anybody knows what that is let me know. All right. Okay. Yeah. Do write in, uh, old boomers, <laughs> which is which is most of you. Uh, <laughs> so there we are in this class, and I just get chatting to these two kids on the next computer along to me. 
and they're younger than me. They're these two kids. They're ve- they, because of the because of the specific age we are. Basically, they're like they're a year younger, but they seem like little children. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And um, we just get chatting, and it turns out they're big into Sonic the comic. Yes, they know the name Richard Elson. They Ooh, can rattle off into all this stuff. real and yeah. proper. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And they, Chris, one of them at least has a copy of Sonic CD. I see a world opening up before me like because in my life it's been and gone I've missed my chance to see Sonic CD it's gone and yet here are these kids who have the fabled machine well it is on the 29th which was a Wednesday that they lend me a tape of the music to Sonic CD that they've recorded off the CD and it says it works in a normal CD player so that's how he did it and that's it I, that's me. I've got it. One of my favourite albums of my life. There it is in my hand. And that would be the European soundtrack. Uh, yes. so, so the yes. so the Japanese soundtrack. Yes. The, oh, the American one is far off. I don't hear that until it comes out on the PC mm-hmm. many years later. I don't have a PC. I'm an Amiga kid still. And uh, yeah, the very next entry on Thursday the 30th, <laughs> I say that I am addicted to Supersonic Warrior and Cosmic Eternity. Supersonic <laughs> Warrior. I do wish it was Supersonic Warrior. It's such a better thing than Toot Toot. <laughs> I just don't accept that Toot Toot Sonic. Come <laughs> Supersonic on. Warrior. Do, 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 do. Yeah, man, that's so much better. Well, so there was I leaving my mates to their freezing footy games and whatever else they were doing. And I'm spending my lunch hours on Sonic like the old days. It was the last time. Do you know what I mean? It was this last ditch effort to be a Sonic fan out in the open. Despite being 13 going on 14 And it happened and then it was gone As if it never happened And that's right now So then you must have had to go like a couple of years Just enjoying it in secret Yeah And then the internet happened I guess, Yeah I guess I don't know Yeah I don't know how secret I was being But still yeah Well when I say secret I mean I wonder if that means That you will have had to funnel all your thoughts Into future diary entries Because you have nobody to share them Your sonic beliefs and thoughts and dreams with <laughs> Yes maybe So you're, there may be a slant in a sonicy direction In future diaries Yeah we shall see The only thing worth mentioning from this time period Is not to do with Sonic I just like it Friday the 1st of December December! It's December 1995, right? You must be planning for Christmas. Oh, of course. Of course. And I'm ta- and I, I start talking about how this will be my first Christmas when I'm writing a diary. So it's, I'm going to have some kind of big Christmas bash in the diary. <laughs> because I'm making this, po- you know, I'm making a book. I love that we are going to have a full on-the-ground oh, yeah. reporting of Christmas oh, as it happened in 1995 right. from your diary. That's, That's going right. to be, oh, I'm going to love it. Because I don't remember anything about Christmas. I haven't, I'm going to have to spend some time mulling it over. Let me tell you that I've skipped ahead to the Christmas page. And it says in the top left corner, special two-page spread. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Put it in a box. Save it. We'll come back yeah. to it in a few weeks' yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, no, I just like this. Listen to this. This is the 1st of December. My Lion King advent calendar <laughs> has actual Lion King shapes for the chocolates. So, I have this plan. I wonder if I don't think I did this, but it's a good plan. Listen to this. After Christmas, what I'll do is I'll tear the tray out and I'll make jelly shapes. That's not a bad plan, that. You need a full shelf in the fridge. But if you can get that, that's a good idea. Well, we'll find out if you did it, because if it, if you did it, you'll probably record the fact that you did it. I'm sure. But I, I will. would say you gotta use nice warm water to make jelly. Mm -hmm. You pour that in a crappy plastic tray. Good chance mm. it'll warp. You pour piping mm. hot uh, liquid in there. Well, boomers, why not try this with your advent calendar? I know that there are some of you listening to this right now who are naughty boys and girls, and you eat all your advent calendar chocolates at the, on the first day. See, that's what I was about to ask. Uh, you you specified that the calendar contained chocolate before I could ask, because mm. I would never. But I had to ask if you were the sort of person who might. God, no. Uh, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Strictly one a day. For me. Because the thing is, I'm still at the age, back in 1995, where I am desperate for Christmas to come. And a great way of doing that is a daily ritual, is an advent calendar every day. It really... It helps! And you kept that going well into your adulthood with your something awful activities. That's why I was doing it! Like, yeah, still desperate for Christmas to come. I have the last couple of years uh, tweeted out pictures of the chocolates from my rubbish budget Transformers advent calendars. <laughs> Oh, have you seen the Sonic one? Ooh, yes, you get a, this year's you, it. It builds up a big snowboarding figure, yeah. doesn't it? And you Clip get a little different piece of bits of it every, every day. Yeah, that's very cool. But I don't think I want it purely because I don't think I want another piece of tat that I have to find some room for somewhere in this house. I know. If you could just give me some Sonic-shaped chocolates, I get down on that. Put that on the podcast Twitter. Hmm. I can't decide because I do want it, but do I want it for fifty whole quid? Would I See, pay I'd, fifty quid for that model? That's the other problem with these advent calendars now is that the sheer price of something I know. Of, 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 of Lego and, and model building advent calendars. Mm. Stop taking things that are for kids and turning them into expensive things for adults, will you? Yeah, Go on, please stop doing that. I know. Society, capitalism, just knock it off. Yeah. Yes. Now, speaking of taking things for children and turning them into content for adults, to get back to this podcast where we <laughs> review children's comics from 1995 for an audience of 30 and 40 somethings. <laughs> Sonic's World Cybernix Strikes Back Part 4 Written by Lou Stringer Art by Carl Flint Colours by John M. Burns He's got the M back this issue oh. <laughs> Letters by Steve Potter Metamorphia brings the captured Techno before Robotnik But Robotnik is outraged to learn That his chemical plant has been destroyed And he has the shapeshifter Stripped of her powers As punishment Meanwhile, Shortfuse, pinned under the chemical plant wreckage at the bottom of the ocean, uses his boot jets to free himself, then launches a direct attack on Citadel Robotnik to rescue Techno. This is baller. This is the coolest yeah. shit. Yeah, it's so rad. This is Carl Flint bringing it, this issue. This is the best Carl's ever done. I think so, yeah. Carl Flint, that's my man. <laughs> So it starts with Metamorphia giving like a recounting of the battle and shifting her body into all the various monsters and shapes that she took on. Yeah. And as she she said, oh, I, you know, I attacked him with my armored body and I turned into tentacles. And then a funny thing happened. The time bomb that Short Fuse planted destroyed him. Boom. 
hot bomb. Ah, uh, the one that blew up your factory in the chemical plant zone. And I love, love, oh. love this panel of <laughs> Robotnik so great. going hot. And it's like, it's not only is it a close-up of his face with his mouth open as wide as it goes in a big yell, but like the inside of his mouth is like a revolving vortex of anger. <laughs> a spiraling black vortex. And he goes hot in huge red letters. Yeah, not a really, speech balloon. It's not a speech balloon. It's a, it's a big sound effect of him going hot. It's great. <laughs> it's sort of, it's funny and scary sort of. Yeah. Stringer really had a handle on Robotnik, I think. Or maybe, or he had a handle on what I want from Robotnik. Um, just something about, I don't know what it is. Carl, I don't know. I've not responded to Carl Flint this way before. He's doing so much cool stuff. The whole third page has these wiggly borders mm, around mm. all of the panels because he's underwater. Yeah, there's been short That's, fuse generally. Yeah, because, oh yeah, because we left in the in the cliffhanger, we left short fuse underwater being pinned down by the, the heavy debris. And so he's there trapped and he's going like, oh, my oxygen's running out. What do I do? I can't do this. I can't do that. What do I do? Nice to see that I had that right last issue when I said, yes, because he can <laughs> still drown. That is the concern. Mm. So he does this, the wiggly, wibbly wobbly underwater border panels. And there's there's a nice like use of um of black. Well, well this is all, oh, yeah. it's, it's all a nighttime scene. Yeah. So he's really playing into like short fuses, shiny chrome body, where yes. he's, he's reflecting the darkness of the ocean and the night sky around him. So Short Fuse is more black with blue highlights now. Yeah. And then over the top of that, there are these kind of dark um, streaks to show the wiggliness of the sea between the camera and him. And it's it's all just really, really moody. And it just stands out as some something new. In fact, the opening panel of this scene, um, which is not yet a wiggly boarded panel, mm, yeah. it's on the previous page, there's almost a spiral or, or concentric rings of this wiggly sea stuff, which gives the impression of a camera kind mm. of you know turning and zooming in and then the next two panels are like these different angles of his head closer and closer it's dramatic it's like the the drowningness is pressing in on him it's a really cool effect it's real good i think no, to, to be fair though just as a counterpoint i think he is struggling with metamorphia a little bit at uh -huh. points in this i think he's sort of hemmed in by metamorphia's design and the fact we've never really seen metamorphia no you know that's not that's not true i was gonna say we've never seen metamorphia really do anything besides that hideous rictus grin that she does but that's not true because i'm remembering gary andrews sort of broadened her expressions a little bit in the story he did with her but it's like this you know this panel here where robotnik grabs her by the shoulders pulls and goes like what bomb She's just blank-faced. That's She's not making an expression. Her mouth is fixed in her clenched teeth, and her eyebrows aren't doing anything, and, you know, there's just nothing there. Well, and also that's a side-on view of a character not really designed to have a side-on view. Um, yeah, you could... So I mean, I, I, I think Andrew's sort of mastered the three dimensions of the character. But then everybody was so lovely and plump and squishy in this Andrew's issues. just a great cartoonist, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you, you even look back at the first page there where we, where we see Metamorphia in profile. Um, the nose, the chin, the muzzle. There's a, mm, there's a, there's a shape to the face there where oh, she's, yeah. just, she's just flat. Just a big flat face in that panel. So, but anyway, that's just... By the way, on that first page, two great establishing shots. Number yes. one, Citadel Robotnik at night. It is black with highlight lines and windows and shapes. Panel two. Robotnik, black against a window, looking out on the moon, doing a kind of villain pose, you know, steepling yeah, his fingers, red eyes, all of that. 
and Metawovia dragging Techno in her proper clothes. Great establishing shot of Techno. There she is. Really stands out. I don't know why. It's like, you know, it's it's not that unusual drawings-wise, but there's just something about, I think, the, the colours picked and... I don't know, it's just great. There's Techno. Her beak looks right to it, because I think we talked about that briefly last issue, is like, like depending on the angle the character's drawn from mm. here, like, she's definitely drawn with a little pointed canary beak. Uh-huh. I don't know the correct, you know, taxonomical term for that kind of pointed beak that you get on a bird. Yeah. Whereas oftentimes in future stories, she'll look more like she has a bill than a beak, like a duck. Oh yeah, so she will, yeah. I do love this panel as well of where, where Short Fuse... The way Short Fuse escapes from the rubble is that he can't use his hand blasters because he's just worried about bringing more of the rubble down on top mm. of him by blowing it up. Is He uses his boot jets to blast into the soft seabed and dig a trench that he can then sink down into and slip mm. out. And I love that panel of him going... <laughs> out the trench you know, shooting out the trench backwards yeah. almost um and the bubbles around him and and uh, and you know it's not airbrushed funnily enough but um i'm not really sure how he's achieved that effect to be honest because it's it's so much more you know um because uh, carl flint draws big shapes mm-hmm. big uh, compositions big broad yeah. lines simple shapes uh, and there's a lot of, of tiny bubbling detail here as, you know, the rush of air or short fuse comes out through the tunnel. And then, I mean, short fuse going full Superman here then as well. He comes, poof, comes out of the water. And then basically, I, I thought I thought he'd actually flown up to the edge of space to see the curvature of the Earth and fly around <laughs> the planet quickly. It's because of the nighttime starscape background. Uh, on the fourth page, first panel, he flies up in a sort of a curve and then loops around. And I thought that, yeah. was, the, I thought that was the curve of the Earth. <laughs> Oh, well, but, it's Mobius, his, but it's just his yeah. palm trail, yeah. And then the next panel that you can see out the corner of your eye there yeah. also looks like him flying over the Earth because there's a, a horizon on at an angle because the camera's yeah. on. But he's just flying over the ocean. But yeah, I thought, yeah. He, I thought he'd gone up to properly Superman it. But it, Well, that's it. It really gives it that Superman look. And, and hey, that looks really cool. Well, he's doing the Superman pose. He's doing the yeah. one fist out ahead of him, one fist clenched at the side, you know. Yeah, and with all of that, chrome swoosh reflection on him it just looks so cool oh and i'm so sad for metamorphia god yeah the, he, your heart she, breaks especially when you remember you know we've been reading this a while so we know that she is basically in love with robotnik and just wants to please him please wants him to please him and he doesn't care and he punishes her and he punishes her and she's just sad and it's oh it ruins me She's put in a tube in Grimer's lab. Dr. Robotnik, I thought you'd be pleased. I destroyed short fuse for you. And you let my factory get blown up. Do you know the cost of repairs? You have failed me too often. I withdraw your shape-shifting powers. Grimer oh. throws the switch and green light floods the tube. Yeah, and she's... And, oh, and how sad is Grimer? That's it. Throughout this scene, Grimer... Look at him. This is like... Her dad, functionally. Grimer. Yeah, yeah. This is the most sympathetic I think Grimer's ever been. He's like... He's such a toady. He has to do what Robotnik says. And he hates it, and he's sad about it, and he knows it's wrong. Oh. This is Metamorphia's one, two, three... Her fourth failure, isn't it? Yeah. Is it? She had her first two one-shot stories back-to-back, then the Sonics world... And then this. Oh, and and, this then, is... and then, as if that wasn't bad enough, as if it yeah. wasn't just, I'm taking your powers away. You will serve me better as a badnik. Grimer, oh. take her to be processed. Oh. God, she's... poor Metamorphia. She's trying her best. She's 
trying to do evil. Come on. <laughs> and she's so sad and slinks off. But then in comes a trooper running. Sir, Citadel Robotnik is under attack. What? Who would dare? And then we end on this huge final panel of short views, like yeah. <laughs> zooming over the nighttime landscape of the Metropolis Zone, Citadel Robotnik leering off in the distance like a yeah. jack-o'-lantern on the horizon. Yeah. As the smoldering wrecks of the badniks, the Valkyries and the buzzers that have already been sent out to fight him, that he's already shot down, plummeting out of the air as yeah. he threatens, I'm coming to get you, Robotnik! It's showdown time! And I don't yes. think the impact of this fully hit me when I was a kid, because it's only now that I'm, yeah. I'm going back and reading on it, and Robotnik goes, who would dare? And I'm like, it's like, yeah, Sonic doesn't have the nads for this. They know <laughs> where Robotnik, it's not like he. it's the special yeah. zone. Another, yeah. They know exactly where he lives mm. and could, you know, if they could get their stuff together, they could mount an attack. And, yeah. and, and no, Short Fuse is the one who's cowboyed up and is actually charging in like Robotnik had killed somebody. <laughs> He's coming in for the full and proper showdown. The air forces are out and... Oh, God. I, baller. Like you said. Yeah. Baller. Yeah. Just dead cool. Like, Short Fuse has always been cool, but but even, even his earlier stories were quite light adventure stuff. But this is a leveling up for Short Fuse as well. Just as much as... as, as the Project Brutus represents a leveling up of Stringer's work on the regular Sonic strip. This represents, like, this the character of Short Fuse and what he can do and the types of adventures he goes on being ratcheted up to the next, uh, you know, level of stakes as well. Yeah. Baller. Concluded next issue. So that's a kind of an odd one. That's a five-parter. Yeah. I, I mean, he's going to rescue Techno, I guess, but I don't, I don't remember how this story ends. What's going to happen to Metamorphia? Oh, God, I don't know. I'm worried now. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I want her to be all right. Like, she's a baddie, but only because someone's making her be. Well, she's a baddie because she wants to be. She wants to please Dr. Robotnik. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Yeah, but he's not making it. She has no ethical qualms about doing evil in, in his service to win his favour, you know? No, but if he was nice, she'd be doing nice. And I feel like that's some she can be saved. <laughs> she could be saved, couldn't she? But I don't know where it's going to go. Oh. Yeah. Wow, Stringer really did make all the best original characters, didn't he? Like, we love Captain Plunder, but... I mean, Brutus, Short Fuse, Techno, Metamorphia, all on their own little journeys. I mean, the last four issues. What a run of quality. It just goes to show how lucky we were that we had this. Do you know what I mean? And it's absolutely right that the comic should settle down to being it's either Nigel Kitching or it's Lou Stringer. That's your comic. Bang. I don't think that that is very far away from happening at all now. The more yeah. I think about it, like... Um, kind of there now, aren't we? Yeah, given given that I think there is now only one strip based on a Sega game, other than Decap Attack, still left in the future of this comic, and oh. that I think Kitching writes it. I think... Yeah, you know, I think with the end of Echo, like, that might be it. I think that might... I think the comic might just be cover to cover Stringer and Kitching from now on. Yeah. But we'll... we'll We'll keep the we'll keep the spreadsheet updated. <laughs> <laughs> Only two letters in this uh, issue. Speed lines. Uh, they're both email letters. Maybe yes. that's the reason, or maybe they just really liked this big picture that they wanted to print in here and uh, needed to make the space for it. Uh, we've got one here from Matthew Howland from Ellen in Aberdeenshire, and it's headed up Matt the Knife, which doesn't mm. seem to have any bearing on anything. They just think Matt sounded like just Mac. Matt. 
Yes. Yeah. I have a great suggestion. Why don't you change STC to a weekly comic so that us boomers can have twice as much fun? A fantastic suggestion, I think you'll agree. Dave, Matt was on the ball. Imagine if we could have had this every week. <laughs> well, we need we need more Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it wouldn't be good for the podcast. It would have been good for, for kids, us kids back in the 90s. But God, I'd have loved it. Megadroid replies, mm, well, it's not as if the extra workload would dent anyone's social life. None of the humans who work on STC have any friends. <laughs> Hello, Chuck. Uh, here's another email. Dear STC, please bring back the decap attack strip, even if I was the only one who liked it. Lastly, well done on a comic which I have every issue of and will continue to collect for a long time yet. From James Norris. This is an email from James Norris. Please supply address details. First of all, I love that bit, even if I was the only one who liked it. Because this mm. is somebody who's been snookered by the marketing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that line STC used to run about decapitag being weird and strange and to be avoided for health reasons and stuff like that. <laughs> and he's like, well, I liked it, thinks James Norris. And Megadroid has to reply, yeah, you're not alone, decapper, James. Which is why mm. the decappers are back in the Monster of the Year strip this issue. It feels like it's a... Decapper should either be the fans of Decap Attack or the characters in Decap Attack. I don't feel like it should be used for both groups. <laughs> in the same sentence, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got a couple of bits of fan art. Um, Lovely art. Mm. First one, it, from Sandra Kokoran from Wally West Midlands Sonic Stationery winner, has drawn uh, Amy as a football... No, a football playing person yes um, there's a, that means something if you see it does, doesn't it? As a football. because in this comic there's every chance somebody would have drawn her as a football <laughs> i don't know what team this is obviously nope. it's, it's one white of the red ones little little diagonal stripes that cut off halfway along and a little white shield and green strips at the arms so if anyone knows what that is just sit in your knowledge and enjoy it because i don't yeah, care don't, don't tell care. me lovely drawing though Lovely, Lovely drawing. adorable drawing of Amy with rosy cheeks and everything, and um, yeah. a hairstyle that's somewhere between the uh-huh. the two. And bows on her cleated football shoes. Yeah, that's Great. a lovely little drawing. Love that. Also, that's been drawn on... Uh, I, just, I, I just quite like this detail, that Sandra's drawn that on lined paper and coloured it in, but you can see the lines. But STC has dutifully cut around that for her so that it's got a pure white border around it. That's nice. There's just a little something off of her boot there. Oh, what's that? Something yeah, cropped just cropped out. It might just be her address or something or a message she wrote. Or the ball. Or the ball. In fact, that's almost certainly what it is, isn't it? What am I talking <laughs> about? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we don't know. It's literally just the edge of the edge of the line that's the edge of whatever it happens to be that they've cropped out. Uh, below that, Ramsey from Palmer's Ramsey! Yes, yeah, so it's like got, a, like a, a, a budding from graffiti Ramsey. artist or something, you know. <laughs> It just strikes me as the sort of person everybody should know. Oh, yeah, it's Ramsey! And he's drawn the Chaotix crew. Um, I think, if I recall, this this would be copied from the title screen from yes, the Chaotix so. game itself. Yes, and Charmy's not here. Oh, yes. But, uh, yeah. Vector, Knuckles, Espio, and Mighty. Yeah, done perfectly well. On um, a checkerboard background. And there's yeah. a little message above it there. Look out for the Chaotix crew back for a new story next issue. Here is a question for you, David. It's just been bothering me recently. Go on, we call them the Chaotix crew because sure. that's just I mean, we don't I feel like I feel like that might that there, that might actually be the first use of the that term. Oh. The Chaotix crew. Well Megadroid also said the crew return. Um so I suppose well, it's okay. possible he might have used it in some control zone um previously. But yeah. But the Chaotix crew, capital C, capital C, 
is what the team would eventually, you know, like come to be called. And um, and they're the Chaotix Detective Agency now. It's the name of their group. But was that supposed to be the group name for these extra characters that were introduced in this video game? The game is called Knuckles Chaotix. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, was the naming of that game yeah. intended to be a name for this group? Or is it just that history has been warped somewhere along the way and we started calling those extra characters the Chaotix? I bet. Chaotix is just meant to be a cool word yes, that that's they what called I think. the game. And then STC and presumably Archie and presumably everyone. That's called I haven't them Chaotix. researched the Archie aspect of things as whether yeah. or not they were the Chaotix in, in Archie. Yeah, yeah, Somebody yeah. will be able to tell us that. But it's never been clear. Nobody's ever really put a stamp down. It's the Chaotix or Chaotix or the Chaotix crew. It sounds like everyone's just trying their best, doesn't it, to come up with what their name a is? A bit, yeah, because Chaotix crew, I think, was specifically an STC thing. Yeah, yes, I think so. Like, they will have some strips of their own in future issues, and I think. Um, while it would have been perfectly acceptable to just call the strip Chaotix, yeah. I think the strips get the title bar, the Chaotix crew, in mm. whatever, part one. Yeah, so only two letters, as I said, in the mm. Speedlines this issue, but I think we have one or two in our mailbag, do we, Dave? We do, yeah. Um, you can write to us, and you should. It's uh, stctpodcast at gmail.com, and you will find your letters dropping into our mailbag, and sometimes when we have time and we remember, we'll read them out. Here's one. This is from Boomer Robert, who, uh, this one's mostly to me. It says, hello, from America. Hello. Uh, specifically, hello to you, Dave. You might know this or not, because it could be different, but... My speculation and my American eyes show that that your wife did a cover A of IDW issue 28. <laughs> a- Abby Bulmer is on the cover and just wanted to ask if, if that was her or not. Bye for now. Sincerely, Robert. AT Games bootleg Mega Drive owner. AT Games bootleg Mega Drive. Yeah, no, that, yes, that is Abby. She's, she's guested on the podcast a couple of times and I think... The first time she hadn't done any professional Sonic work yet, and then the second time she had, and so we we dragged her back in again, and we're like, right, <laughs> we gotta get you on. Professional Sonic artist Abby Boomer. That's right. That's right. Yeah, no, that's that's Abby. She's still on the team. She pops up sporadically. She's done a couple of covers for them. You'll see her here and there. In fact, she even did a strip in what was it? The annual? The first uh, annual? Sounds or? right. Yeah. There was an annual that she did a strip in. So yeah, look out for that. That is my wife. That is Abby, friend of the podcast. <laughs> Here's a recent one. Uh, sorry if you've written any non-recent ones we haven't got to yet. You know, there's, you know, we are but human. Uh, this is from JJ that says, November 1995, this one's titled. Oh, well, well-timed then. Exactly. It says, I've been wanting to write to you two since I began listening to the podcast, but I really wanted to time it to where you'd read it on one of the November issues, and I really hope I got it right. It's not so much that you got it right, is that we got it right. <laughs> you see, November of 1995 was an important month for me, as it was the month in which I was born. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> we are now going from issues published before I was born to the ones published during my lifetime. It gets a bit existential if you think about that too much. One of the things I find the most interesting about listening to the podcast is hearing how different your childhoods were from my own early 2000s Ohio experience. Another artist. Another artist. I didn't grow up with STC. I didn't even grow up with Archie. My first exposure to the franchise was watching the Sonic X anime, although I never did so regularly enough to be really considered a fan. No, I didn't really get into the Sonic franchise until our family got a Nintendo Wii. We got the original game on Virtual Console and I fell in love with it. Oh, okay, Oh, fine. I love it. At least it, it was the original game. I love game. that it begins with the... <laughs> it, that, oh, 
that even after all those time uh, and all those years yes. apart from one another, that it still truly began at the beginning. Yes. I love it. That's I love everything lovely. about it. I fell in love with it, and not long after, Super Smash Bros. Brawl released with Sonic as a playable character. Suddenly, what was once to me just some cartoon that I hardly ever watched was something that was really important to me. So I went back and I played most of the games I missed, and I kept up with the new releases, starting with Colors, and been a fan ever since. Now, on the comic side of things, I didn't grow up with them, and it wasn't until much, much later in life that I decided to give them a go with the Archie reboot, as there wasn't much of it, and it seemed like a good jumping-on point. Sure. But I never touched the pre-reboot stuff. No, 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 never. Not even once. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd never read STC. I was aware that they existed. I would see them mentioned on wiki pages and hear people talking about them, but I hadn't experienced them firsthand. I kept meaning to, for context, but I kept putting it off. There was so much established lore, it seemed overwhelming, confusing, impenetrable. But... Earlier this year, I decided I had to try. I started both comics around the same time, and I figured I'd see how they compared. I'd heard about your podcast. Oh, that's nice to know. Nice, yes. We're somewhere on the grapevine, and I figured I'd read along with it. That didn't last long, because as soon as I started, I was hooked. I couldn't take the wait (laughs) between episodes. So I started reading ahead, and before I knew it, I finished the entire series. Wanted more, so I read the entirety of STC Online 2, and I loved the entire thing all the way through, and eagerly await new issues and new podcast episodes. My attempt at reading Archie didn't go as well. Yeah, I bet not. <laughs> <laughs> While STC ended up being really accessible, Archie didn't take long to devolve into the exact kind of impenetrable comic nonsense that I'd feared <laughs> going in. Have you seen the reading order? It was impossible to keep up with reading. Oh, I suppose because the side Cause series. The knuckles knuckles yeah, yeah, yeah. and specials and things, yeah. yeah. And I didn't even enjoy what I managed to get through. Most fun I had was counting the amount of shoehorned wedding scenes. <laughs> yeah, you, you shouldn't have more than one wedding scene. If you've got more than one wedding scene in a Sonic the Hedgehog comic, you, you need to look at it and wonder why. One's fine. You know, it's really funny to me. I feel like we discussed this somewhere recently, mm-hmm. but it's like, this is 95. Yeah. So the Sonic Archie strip has been going for three years tops. Uh-huh. So it's like... Noobs. It's barely... And it's and and because it's monthly, it has fewer issues mm-hmm. than STC at this point. But it's, it's barely even transitioned out of the funny animal stuff into the stuff that's almost sort of good before it then really starts getting bad. Mm-hmm. It's not even there yet. And we're over here in our in what we recognize as our golden age and what these things that the the flat circle of history has kind of mashed into being concurrent mm. were actually years apart. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing to do with each other. We had you don't yeah. get you don't get like Endgame, issue fifty, the death of Sally Acorn, until STC is like nearly finished. Yeah, issue fifty, that's like Four years into the run of the thing, so 93, 94, 95, 96, yeah, so like late 96, early 97, something like that. Um, obviously, STC will still be doing uh, big, exciting stories, but that point, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she yeah, actually 100s in 97. So, um, yeah, but it's weird, you know, th- things that the inherent ongoing sort of feud... The, the 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 war that goes back to the nineties, like between the artists and the boomers, yeah. when really the things we were experiencing were were quite far apart. Yeah, and then here we are with our you know crazed supersonic punching the arm off a golden robot, and you've got short fuse the cybernic flying over the city and all of this. And yes, that the defining images of like Archie that you imagine are people 
you know, kissing and cuddling and having weddings and things. It, it's it's written by, and it's written in the mode of like Archie, not Sonic Archie, Archie fanfic stuff. Like, I don't know how many weddings they even have in Archie. It's just that. And sort even of thing. that stuff won't have happened yet. And that won't have happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. So I just looked it up. So November '95, Archie was thirty issues deep. Uh, not counting the original miniseries. And what was happening that month was only just now had they brought Uncle Chuck back. Oh. You know, you think of all the stuff we've gone through, and then yeah. one of the more, you know, character-driven, dramatic things that was going on was only just happening, you know? Scrolling back here, looks like they did the, the first Mecha Sally around this time. But then you were also getting stories called Saturday Night's All Right for a Fight. And... Mm-hmm. uh a scrambled hedgehog and stuff like that, you know. Mm. Though Spaziante had done some art by this point as well. But yeah, we were not... Oh, there's one called Way, Way Past Cool from the middle of the <laughs> summer there where Dr. Robotnik has a weapon that makes ice and snow, you know. Um, so yeah, it's just funny, isn't it? That, that it is, yeah. Archie was still in that kind of funny animal, adventures-y, Saturday morning uh, cartoon-type adventures. And we're over here with Brutus having an arm off. <laughs> <laughs> so to continue the letter all that is to say yes stc is the superior comic coming from the mouth of an american who is only now reading them 26 years later as an adult that's di- that is someone who is pure and without any pre-existing nostalgia or bias because we are we've got nostalgia and bias we've got to hold no, absolutely up to no disagreement whatsoever yeah. we have never pretended otherwise no the difference is that we've got nostalgia and bias for the good thing <laughs> <laughs> anyway love you guys and love what you do at least we're conscious of it <laughs> i'm looking forward to keeping up with future episodes stay awesome juniper m too young an american to have ever been a mega drive owner oh thank you oh. very much for that one juniper that's great i am well cheered up by that the kids are all right eh? <laughs> yeah and if you, listener, if you want to join them, the All Right Kids, in our mailbox, that is stctpodcast at gmail.com. stctpodcast at gmail.com. Send us letters, send us voice recordings. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Next issue, have yourselves a chaotic Christmas. Ooh. Not even not even a chaotic little Christmas, you know, just a chaotic yeah, yeah. They're back, uh, the image. Uh, I mean, it's not a great image, is it? Okay, so here's the problem. It's a perfectly fine image. Well, yes. It's just that they've printed it in completely the wrong ratio. Yes, this is an image of left to right from the back. Yeah. SBO Vector Mighty Sonic Porker. Yeah. Oh, yes. Remember where we left oh, Porker? Yes. That's where we're picking, we're picking that up next issue. And they do appear to be standing at the base of a chain, so... Yes, and Charmy, and this is a shot from... Well, the Chaotix are facing Sonic and Porker, mm. so it looks like Porker's just come down the chain, and they're all turning to look back over their shoulders what's going on up on the Miracle Planet. Yes, I find that quite compelling. That there's, there's, Oh, what are they looking at? What are they, the trouble is that it's obviously... It's a, it's a cropped, smaller portion of a larger panel that they have stretched vertically mm. to, to fill the space they needed it to, and it's... And it's it's, it's obviously a very good. small bit of a uh, you know it's, the bit yes. that they've chosen is very small because Porker hasn't got pupils in his eyes, mm-hmm. whereas at this scale he really ought to have. It's it's a zoomed in image of a very tiny bit of drawing from the next issue. Imagine how easy it would be to fill these next issue pages mm-hmm. if they would ever do covers that had anything ah. to do with the stuff in the comic. There's a thought. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if we could have had a the Chaotics haven't been on the cover once yet. 
Huh. I mean, and I, okay, I know they've only been in six issues of the comic so far. No, but... In the knuckle strip, not even the lead strip. But, come on! No, no spoilers or anything, but yeah. Next issue begins what will be the longest unbroken numbered part Sonic story. Sure, you can say, you know, the Sonic and Knuckles adaptation is seven parts long or whatever, but it's mm. three shorter stories. This is a parts one, two, three, four, five, six big the biggest Sonic story that has happened yet, oh. following on from where we left Sonic before, which was in turn building upon the original Knuckles Chaotic story, oh. which was in turn picking up threads catching it laid down during the Sonic and Knuckles adaptation, which were in turn built Ooh. upon the Sonic Terminator. Yeah. In many ways, it's a culmination of almost everything Kitching has been doing outside of actually adapting games and threaded through adapting games up until now. Yeah. Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. So yeah, but but I gotta tell you, mm-hmm. like I know I don't know what happens in it, but I, it's got a lot. It's got a big act to follow after Project yeah. Brutus, doesn't it? It does. Oof, good times. Also, <laughs> Knuckles. What's up with Doc? No, that's not what it says. No, it should do, but it isn't. What's with Doc? Cybernick. The showdown. <laughs> Decap attack. Monster mayhem. And Graphic Zone. Your Yule Crackers. Ah, Christmas Graphic Zone. Plus an Asteron Badnik pinup. Oh, all right, fine. Whatever, whatever, whatever. If they, I wonder why they didn't pitch this as like collect the set. You know what I mean? You can have all the badniks. Yeah, yeah. There would have, you could almost made a rationale behind it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's there's one more item there, Dave. And yes. Is it more or less exciting than? Oh, uh, oh, I, 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 difficult to pick, isn't it? Is it more or less exciting <laughs> well, than an Asteron badnik pinup? It's the Coronation Street combo. I mean, one of those things at least has something to do with Sonic. No, you know what? You know what? Right now, here now, as a 39-year-old man doing a podcast about this comic, I'm yeah. definitely more interested in the content potential of yes. the Carnation Street <laughs> combo. Yeah. STC 67 1.20 on sale Saturday, the 9th of December, 1995. Yeah, they're already getting in the Christmas mode, calling it a chaotic Christmas with your Yule yeah. crackers, but there's still going to be one more issue in December before Christmas actually comes, so it's kind of like last year, we're getting a little double barrel of Christmas action. Mm. Not bumper size issues like last year, because right. the year of STC is over. But yeah. uh, it ended <laughs> a year ago nearly. That was a year ago now nearly. I know, I can't believe it. But the year of poster mags and summer specials I'm, and all that. I'm glad that it's finished, because it was a lot of extra work for us. And I, I, I almost feel as if it was a lot of extra work for the listener. Like, as I listen back to our old episodes, I, I'm like, ooh, a poster mag one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we stopped doing them. Uh, and rolled them all out as one special at the end of the year. Yeah. Though that does mean there's no extra bonus specials or anything to pad out the holiday period with, and no schedule shuffling to try it well, against us any free. So there's no free time over the holidays this year. With any luck, they'll be allowed to visit their families, so they won't need extra episodes from us. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, if we're talking about how it's already Christmassy, look at this little fella. Look at this little fella. Inset oh God, in the right, yeah. STC sixty-seven one pound twenty banner, there's just a little smiling snowman's face in a in a in one of their little spiral star little looking buzzsaw spin yeah. attack circles. It's just a bit as if he's the star of the comic, as if you know it's where you'd expect to find a little Sonic head. No, it's a little smiling snowman put together by Gary Knight, presumably just having a smile, nothing to do with anything. There he is, just to tell us it's winter. What a merry little fellow, lovely little guy. Snow the man. <laughs> and there we go that's an issue Chris 
done. It is. And when you're looking for the next issue, if you've got time in between all your Christmas shopping mm. and that, you'll be able to find that most places good podcasts are available. But you can also download it directly from our website at stctp.wigglehe.com. And you can support the show. You can put money down and you will get prizes. What do pounds mean? Prizes! Yeah, you can get a couple of videos that we do every month. Uh, one in which we look over the old Martin Adams books. And just recently, at time of release, we have put out an exclusive interview with James Wallace, the author of Sonic in the Fourth Dimension. I know what you're thinking. It's meant to be a Martin Adams book, isn't it? Well, that was a pseudonym. We got the guy in. It's great. We had a lovely chat. He told us all the secrets of the production of the book and all of that. It was brilliant. Go and listen to that. That is on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash stctp. So, yeah, go and have a look at that. That is an exclusive. From the from some of the stuff he said to us, it kind of sounds as if he hasn't really been interviewed about his Sonic work before. That's so. the vibe I got, right? That's why I was enjoying it. Yeah, yeah we were having a very good time. So, uh, yeah, go and look for that. Oh, and ultimately, you get to hear the big, uh, quote-unquote, epic Sonic fan fiction that I was writing around this time called The End of Mobius. It is a time. It is circling the drain at this point, <laughs> I think. I don't know what's left to this. No, me neither. Goodness knows what there is even left to talk about. But There's, we'll like, see. quite a lot left. Yeah. Here, but I don't know yeah. what it's going to be. And you'll get all of that content over at patreon.com forward slash STCTP. You'll find the links for all that and announcements for when we put new things up there over on our Twitter, which is at Sonic Podcast. And you'll also find us on there individually. I am at Chris McFeely. And I am at Demon Tomato Dave. And you will find us on YouTube under those names as well. And we have an opening theme. Do you remember it from the start? If you liked it, that is called Synchronize and it is by Sonic the Comic, the band. Yes, they're called that. You'll find them at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. They make comics as well, so you might want to go and find out about them. But we have been Sonic the Comic the Podcast, and we will see you next time. Ooh, I wanna suck it. Ooh, I wanna suck it. Ooh, I wanna nibble on it. Get down on that. Tight one. Smash that. Yes. Smash that. Nibble on it. Smash that. Yes. So get down on that. Tight one. Ooh, I wanna suck it. Ooh, I wanna suck it. Ooh, I wanna nibble on it. Get down on that. Tight one. Smash that. Yes. Smash that. Nibble on it. Get down on that. Deliciously lickable. Tight one. Ooh, I wanna suck it. Ooh, I wanna suck it.